You are now entering the transit zone. Welcome back to the Transit Zone. I'm Peter Clark in Melbourne, Australia. Margot Kingston in Comboin, New South Wales. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the lands on which we record and produce these podcasts. The Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and the Beerpai people of the Port Macquarie region of New South Wales. We pay respect to their elders. Margot Kingston, good morning. Hello. I remember the first Transit Zone podcast. And we each had to do an audio essay. And I did a rave about home, working out where is home, which Australia, then which state, then which part of state. We're now at a phase where I think most people would agree that the Federation has actually fractured and that everyone in every state apart from New South Wales does not think of themselves as part of Australia. They think of themselves as part of the state or you might go further and say a union of all the states against an incredibly arrogant and reckless New South Wales. So <laughs> so it's, it's, it's very interesting, but um, you've had a very particular experience because you, you've just been sent home and told to not leave your house to the extent that you can't go into your hand-built sound studio out the back because your son your son's there sometimes. Like, okay, Peter, what's happened? And I guess we know where your home is. It's your own home. That's it, yeah? We're home, but we're very glad to be home, I've got to say. I, just hearing what you just said and, and going back to our very first podcast in the Transit Zone series back in May 2020, it seems like an eon away, doesn't it? You did an audio essay on home, and which we'll hear again shortly. Yes, it's been a roller coaster ride for us. We left Melbourne to go on our photographic expedition to South Australia, the south coast there, to see the whales, to swim with the cuttlefish, then supposedly up to the Northern Territory to go to Uluru, Katajuta, Wataka, all that sort of thing. Three-week trip. When we left, we went through the Riverland border into South Australia, and there there were cops, of course, the fruit and veg quarantine, but there were cops asking us. Remember that just a few weeks before, we'd had some cases in Victoria, and South Australia had created a, a semi-barrier where they were going to require us to have a COVID test on arrival. Just before we left, they dropped that. And there we, there we were. We sailed into South Australia, but with the cops questioning us and very nicely, very politely. But we did have to jump through the hoops there on the border. And then off we went into South Australia, started driving around. But very soon, of course, New South Wales cranked up more. We had zero when we left in Victoria, zero community cases. That changed while we were in South Australia. And we kept monitoring. And in no time at all, things were starting to look pretty cook. We got a text from the South Australian Health Department telling us to change status. Therefore, we had to then go on the phone and change all our bookings again for about the fifth <laughs> time in the Northern Territory. We also rang the South Australian health people to get guidance. And we discovered after that phone call and many phone calls that when you get through to a very polite and nice person on the call centres, they don't know very much. They keep saying, oh, I better check with my supervisor. The people at the front line talking to people, if you can get through to them, I might add, and it's been very tricky since we got back to Victoria to talk to anybody on the COVID hotlines, they're just clogged. They don't know that much. So there are the algorithms governing those online entry permits and re-entry permits, which we've been using. It's algorithm driven, but actually real people on the end of a phone line talking to them and getting good quality information hasn't been so easy. So we had to abandon our trip to the Northern Territory there we were in South Australia, it locked down. So we were told that we had to shelter in place. 
We found an apartment in Port Augusta, luckily, because all the other apartments were shutting. The <laughs> National Park shut, the camping grounds shut, everything. We became sort of like COVID refugees in South Australia. So we had a night and my daughter just went, oh my goodness, something happened on her tweet. And it was Brett Sutton in Victoria saying, South Australia is now a red zone. You have until 11.59 to get, to get home. <laughs> So what did we do in our apartment in Port Augusta? We started filling the coffee flasks, repacking the vehicles, making our egg sandwiches. We got up very early, 5.30, hit the road. thousand kilometres we drove, crossed South Australia and hit the border well before 11.59. And we we're on a, an orange re-entry permit at that point, which said that we just had to have another COVID test. So we got there. I was sitting there in the car thinking, oh, well, we're near the border. There's going to be a whole lot of cops there, you know, after the Riverland border experience. Not a soul. We just sailed through the border, just a sign saying, welcome to Victoria. That was it. And there we were in Victoria, just sailed through. Anyway, we came home, settled down, and then we got another text, this time from Victorian Health, saying, you are now from a red zone, even though we'd come on an orange permit, you've come from a red zone, you are now in 14-day quarantine, and you have to have a COVID test on day 13. So that's our experience. That's what happened to us. So here we are at home, not only in the Victorian lockdown, but also in full quarantine. And that's our first experience of that. Yeah. A guy called Richard Dennis um, from the Australia Institute did a tweet this morning that I, yes. I think nailed something very important. He said, look, yes, we've all become parochial and tied to our states. Our states are home and we trust our premiers. And yes. that is because none of us actually trust our national leader anymore. No, that, you no. know, yes, everyone knows he's the Minister for New South Wales. Everyone knows he's going to put in JobKeeper and extra benefits now. And, you know, I, I think Sydney deserves it. But the fact that he always turns everyone else down, that he that he said, you know, Gladys was the gold standard until he wasn't and ran away. The fact that he lies all the time about whether he said it was a race and being forced to a sorry. And that press conference where he came out of National Cabinet I did a tweet on that, which probably has got the most likes I've ever got, just saying, look, he's fighting for his life. He talked fast, no pause, relentless, literally yelling, like unlistenable. And I, I think Richard's right. I think in that vacuum, for all sorts of reasons, over many months now, people are going, shit, you know, we better hide behind our border and, and, and trust our Premier. You know, Tony Windsor did a tweet yesterday saying, I never thought I'd say there was a worse Prime Minister than Tony Abbott, but there is. And I tell you what, that brought back a lot of memories for me because I've detested Abbott for a long time. I wrote two chapters in my Not Happy John book about him and actually came back into being a political tragic because I, my brain just fused when he was got up in Parliament and accused Julia of lacking character over the so-called AWU slush fund and just went, oh, come on, and wrote a piece and got on Twitter and everything. But I, I looked at Tony's tweet and I, I thought, he is actually worse. I mean, for all his faults, Tony Abbott was sort of grounded in some sort of theory or substance or or value system. I mightn't have liked it, but there was there was something there. This is just, it's like a used car salesman. It's It's like... It's got to the stage where I'm not saying that he's Trump or anything like Trump, but I literally don't believe anything he says. These weird leaks that he suddenly got this and suddenly got that and suddenly we've got an emergency stockpile that we can give to New South Wales after saying we did. Uh, like it's it, yeah. it's awful and you just know that it's not about us. It's 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 not about what's right. It's not about the, the long term. It's just about 
him him winning some crazed news cycle. It's uh, I think Richard's hit the nail on the head. And I've been using the term irked parochialism, picking up on what Richard Dennis said on Twitter today. We are all very irked by what Brett Hazard has been saying. You know, saying, "Oh, this is the Commonwealth. What happened to the Commonwealth? We had oh. the bushfires <laughs> and all that stuff." We have had months and months of people like Hazard and, of course, Berejiklian herself and Scott Morrison bagging the other states in a very partisan, ideological way. Oh, Just and, and key elements of the press gallery. I mean, who can forget? I mean, I, I like this guy, Phil Curry, but to author a page one splash in the AFA magazine with Gladys in white looking smug, the woman who saved Australia, right place, right time. And you go, right, okay. A lot of players have built up this mythology, and when it bursts, we're, go- we're supposed to go, oh, you poor loves. You know, given that all the other states are dealing with this effing Delta strain breach, a hard, quick lockdown, and she's gone, oh, we've got the best health advice in Australia. Wow. You know, so it is hard to get beyond that, but, but of course we have to get beyond it. When Scott Morrison comes through with extra financial support, I think a lot of people around Australia are going to go, well, I bloody well hope New South Wales promises to pay the money back. It's interesting, isn't it? We've seen it as partisan, and I think it is largely the bagging of McGowan, the bagging of Andrews, the bagging of Palaszczuk. Marshall's an interesting case. He's a go-early-go-hard man. Well, he sure is. And he's very measured. And I tell you what, his chief medical officer is just wonderful. I mean, she's got the she's got this dipsy charm. Like, did you hear it this morning? She said, "Look, my husband said he doesn't want know what to do in lockdown." And I said to him, "Well, clean out your sock drawer, darling. Do something useful. It's just perfect." Well, the fact that we've come to know all the chief medical officers around Australia itself is is fascinating, isn't it? And who knew what an epidemiologist was before the pandemic? Only other epidemiologists, probably. It's fascinating. And now, Look, of course, we've got um, that Nick Coatesworth literally going public, blasting fellow yeah. um, experts. So we've got this amazing, amazing little mix and match uh, going on there. It, look, the whole thing is um, probably the, the biggest thing that's happened in my lifetime. My mother's generation, the 80 buses, like they did the Depression and, and World War Two. What's the biggest in yours? Oh, look, I can't think of anything quite like this. I can't, obviously, during our salad days, you and I both probably, growing up in Brisbane, the moratoriums and the, mm. the Vietnam War and mm. all that, that was huge in our... And Iraq our was big, in, including yes. the consequences, but in the yeah. sense of everything's gone all around yeah. the world, all certainties, all the flaws in, 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 um, in global politics and economy, all, all the class divisions, all the the inequities, all the pain and suffering. You go to a funeral and half half the people who go to the funeral get sick. It, working out what's important, it's, uh, it, it's absolutely huge, absolutely huge. That picture that's out on Twitter today is sticking in my mind this morning and it seems to sum up a lot of, of what we're experiencing. There was a woman holding up a sign that said, my vaccine is the blood of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. And we've saw those protests on the streets of Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane. Uh, George Christensen was there, I noticed, in the in the Brisbane Freedom March. But of course, there's that central debate that's just been part of liberal democracy all along. Where do your rights meet my rights? And the idea of the collective and the individual, all that's really up for, for grabs at the moment, isn't it? An intense debate. And, and, and again, um, you know, 
couple of things. A lot of people are saying, oh, what about the Black Lives Matter thing? They all wore masks. They were all peaceful. And they did actually apply for a permit. Look, I, I know it's overblown, but I just couldn't help just constantly being reminded of the January 6th, the guy posing, punching. You remember that guy with the horns? The cops being damaged by so-called right-wing law and order people. The QAnon, the fundamentalist religion, that... It's a, it was a worldwide rally thing, and it's so Trumpy. It's it's that whole F you nihilism. I do have sympathy, very great sympathy for for people who've fallen between the cracks, like people who you're on some student allowance and you get two fifty, three hundred a week part time, and you haven't got it. You can't pay the rent. This must change, and and. I think there there must be an element there of people who say, hang on, we've got to work, we've got no choice, what what the hell are you doing? I think this anti-vaxxer, Trumpy, F the lot of you stuff is, um, yeah, it's, it's worldwide and um, had to be Sydney again, didn't it? Had to be Sydney. Yes, I've been reflecting upon the Sydney, New South Wales thing. That it, It's deeply rooted in our Australian history, isn't it? The first colony and, the, and that sense of cultural entitlement runs very deep. You've observed politics for a long time, Margot. How do you explain the fact that Gladys Berejiklian has not been able to summon up the sort of leadership required for the moment? She still hasn't created a stringent lockdown. There are people wandering around Sydney out in the open without masks. We've had all the evidence of fleeting contact from this highly infectious variant of SARS-CoV-2, the Delta variant. What has stopped her doing what she needed to do? I remember a long time ago, Bob Carr was Premier, and he said it a bit on background and then on the record that actually the shock jocks ruled Sydney. They had they had unlimited, unaccountable power, and they stymied government action. And a guy you might remember, Dennis Muller, he was a senior editorial executive of The Age, very respected guy. He's now an academic. Specialises in ethics and journalism ethics. Yes, did a, did a fantastic editorial, uh, a fantastic piece, I think, in the conversation a week or two ago where he said, look, Kyle Sandilands and Jackie O won the breakfast slot of 2GB, the talk show for the first time and Ben Fordham, who'd replaced Alan Jones, was told to up his game so he went straight into anti-lockdown. These very ugly shock jocks screaming. Then you've got Sky News, you've got Alan Jones and, and the Sky News crew saying no lockdowns and even Sky at night saying the vaccination um, is, is more likely to, like, you know, really horrific stuff, Craig Kelly stuff. If you combine all that in Sydney, it does seem to create um, fear in, in a government of either persuasion. And I I noticed, you know, Dan Andrews was very, you do this, you know, we will do this, blah, blah. And, and Gladys is more, please, can I please explain why this is necessary? So I think that might have a lot to do with it, that the media, the media culture. Margaret Simon's very interesting op-ed yesterday in The Guardian defined that as Gladys's libertarianism and Andrew's authoritarianism. She also opined that perhaps this is not a time for libertarianism when you've got a, a Delta variant ravaging your society. Very happy to debate the concept. I, you know, Sydney is our first state. It's our most corrupt state. It's our wealthiest state. I'd say still it's our most class-divided state, like literal segregation of areas, you know. What was one of my big shocks when I came to Sydney from Melbourne? Um, there's just something hard about it and 
rough. Clearly, it is harder to get a collective sense of duty out of Sydney than out of any other state in Australia by a very long way. And I, I don't think authoritarian is the right word. I think it, it's more, look, can we come, we, we will come together. And Melbourne responded. Still, I can't quite understand why he's so popular because of those mistakes he made. But he's found a way to, to, to gain trust. And again, you know, trust is all. You know, to, to, to see Morrison lying and spinning day after day in a matter of national crisis when people want to be comforted and reassured that they're in state safe hands, not yelled at and, and told that why should he say sorry? And it just feels like Australia could go down big time and it, it's a time we either transform or, or it's just, yeah, it's, 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 it's not, um, not possible anymore. So it's big, big, big times. Those cultural differences between states are much stronger than perhaps we all thought. You and I both grew up in Brisbane. We're all aware of we Queenslanders, the Joe Peterson period, etc. We were very conscious of that, looking at Southerners as intruders, etc. I was standing in a queue in a Toyota service centre in Port Augusta, and I had to go in and out a couple of times. I brought back some paperwork to give to the guy, and there was an Indigenous elder in front of me, and I came up a bit close behind him, and he turned on me and very firmly said to me, you're a bit close, mate. And all around South Australia, masks, and they... Mm. They'd just gone into lockdown. They're very rigid and very stringent there, but in a polite, very Adelaide, South Australian sort of way. Well, it, it was. Isn't Adelaide the only eastern state that that wasn't founded by convicts? It was established and, privately. Yeah, but also South Australia struggle street a bit in, in yes. national terms. I remember going to Adelaide a few years ago and going, "Oh, these beautiful buildings have survived. You know, they haven't been knocked down in the development boom." And so I think that would create a sense of a protection. You want to protect South Australia? Do you believe that Gladys Berejiklian, with all that exceptionalism, New South Wales exceptionalism propaganda that she pumped out day after day, backed, of course, by Scott Morrison, did she become partly snookered by that as well, that she couldn't back off that? And she still hasn't backed off it. Yes, I don't think there's any doubt about it. And I've been very interested that um, the New South Wales media over all these days hasn't said to her yet, would you like to apologise for going into lockdown too slow and too lax? They're very, very easy on it. And you notice there's no Sky News people breaking in now. Andrew Connell did a good job early. But, um, yeah, she, she's, she's still Teflon. And my theory about that is that um, New South Wales people have gone, we've got to trust her because the other side's no good either and she's all, all, she, all we've got, she's, she's the best of a bad lot. You know, I think it, there's a bit of that. Plus, you know, an, an incredible likableness, the same as Anastasia. She's likable. She doesn't punch you in the face. She looks like that she's suffering and, and caring through these decisions. She's, she's got something. There's no doubt about that. But I don't think the polls have, um, have gone bad for her in New South Wales. But then again, you know, New South Wales, they still reckon they're right. Of course they are. You know, Brad Hazard, so disappointed that we're not a Commonwealth. I tell you what, I live in New South Wales. I vote in New South Wales now. And I tell you what, I'm still an effing Queenslander. Oh, Brad, so sad to see you on your knees to the rest of Australia. So sad. So sad. You poor man. Having heard all that, let's look into the future before we hear your audio essay from May 2020 about home again. I think we can finish our conversation on that today, Margot. Let's look into the future. It seems really clear that you mentioned Anastasia Palaszczuk, Mark McGowan is adamant, Stephen Marshall's adamant, Daniel Andrews is adamant. He talked about the Ring of Steel around Sydney. The other states and territories are not going to give an inch 
on keeping the virus out of their states. We're almost pre-Federation at the moment. We've got lockdown colonial-style borders around the Commonwealth that Brad Hazard likes to vaunt. How do you see it playing out now? Are we looking now at New South Wales cut off from the rest of Australia for the foreseeable? Yes. And, you know, look, I'm not an economist. I mean, I don't know how different states participate around an economy, but I would have thought that given it, it seems very clear now, unless we can get emergency vaccinations or whatever, from this emergency stockpile, which Morrison, you know, told us about for the first time after he had to knock Gladys back. New South Wales is locked down, so they'll have to do a lot of adjustment, but the other states will have to do a lot of adjustment too. And I wouldn't be surprised if there's an element of wanting uh, self-sufficiency in a state now, like to actually, you know, we'll have our home-based companies for these things. I'm not sure. And also tourism. I mean, you know, how Queensland's going to survive, how, how Tasmania, you know, this is very interesting. But I'll tell you another thing that'll happen that, that will be good and we've already noticed is you're locked down or your borders are closed, whatever, so you go and see your state. And, of course, when you go and see your state, you see all these hidden gems. And and I think there will be demographic changes in the regions. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some serious attempts at decentralisation. Anything could happen. But, yeah, look, I agree with you. I mean, I don't think any state, any state has confidence in, in New South Wales. And, and after yesterday, I mean, like if you ever had to see a super spreader event, um, if, if that's what it's like, and if they are actually going to be like the telly said yesterday – calling in the army to put a ring around the engine room of Sydney where the people who earn a low wage and do all the bloody work in that town are, are, are fenced in by the military. I would have fears. I would have fears for the stability of Sydney. I, I don't know about you, but I, th- I think I know it might be hard, but if you're going to do a ring of steel, which you should, she hasn't even, she hasn't protected the regions, you, you've got to do it around Greater Sydney. If you want to put a ring of steel around five basically low-wage, high-dense um, communities and, and let, the, let the rich suburbs who brought it in go free. I have fears. I have fears. We haven't really focused at all, let's do this briefly, on National Cabinet since it was formed, replacing COAG, of course, a very different beast. It has been a bit of a roller coaster ride. We've seen flows of power back and forth between Scott Morrison as the Prime Minister, the various state premiers. I was fascinated, for example, that Stephen Miles, the acting Premier of Queensland, was not at the table, the virtual table as it turned out, during the last National Cabinet meeting. I find that just baffling. Yes, well, I got blown up on Twitter for coming up with a conspiracy theory, like who told him not to. I mean, I mean, I've got, I've just got no faith in Morrison at all. And someone said, "Oh, come on, Margot, um, you're better than that." Um, the, the rules of National Cabinet are when the, the leader can't attend, the Director General attends, and there was an exception for Victoria because for you know, Dan Dan Andrews was off very ill for a long time. So I don't think it's, I don't think it was a problem. But I tell you what, we're, we're you know, we're on tender hooks watching here. Because yeah. everyone knows that, that Scott Morrison is the Prime Minister for New South Wales. Everyone knows it. And we're not going to let it get away. There's a fabulous line in, in Catherine Murphy's insider piece, Inside National Cabinet. She said, the political imperative for Scott Morrison was clear. He could not be seen to give New South Wales special treatment because no other state would let him get away with it. Now, he's got himself into that position, praising one Premier and blasting another He's got a very tricky road ahead. Let's finish our conversation on this Sunday morning. It's the 25th of July, 2021. 
community cases in New South Wales announced today, many of them, 50-plus infectious in the community. That particular outbreak, the Delta, the very infectious Delta, is not under control in Sydney, New South Wales. As you mentioned, Margot, it's, it has intruded into the regions of New South Wales, especially around Orange, etc. And of course, this is not going to be the last of the variants. Lambda's on its way, and there will be other variants, perhaps even more infectious than this one. So we've got to think ahead as well. But let's come back to this idea of home. I'm very glad to be home after our truncated trip, our so-called holiday. That didn't happen. But let's go back to May 2020 when we started the Transit Zone series and you focused on home. Do you want to read your essay again for us? See how it sounds today. Okay. We faced a sudden evolving question when coronavirus ran around the world to occupy our lives. Where exactly is home and why? Nations asked their people to return home before they closed their borders. Citizenship the criteria, the legal right to belong. Then all states except New South Wales and Victoria closed their borders. First Tasmania, South Australia, West Australia and Queensland said only residents of their states could enter after closure. Then Queensland said even they would need a permit and WA did a hard border closure. Western Australians could no longer come home. In WA, there's a short exemption to visit a seriously ill relative or attend a funeral. So where your family and friendships are comes into play in the notion of home. Yet it's more than that. A friend was devastated when WA closed its border hard. She's fifth generation of a pioneer family in the Wheatbelt and she knows exactly where home is, despite living in Sydney for 20 years. Another friend says she belongs to three places, Canberra, where she grew up and her parents live, Melbourne, where she lives, and the extended family's holiday home on the New South Wales state coast. WA was the only state to create internal borders, five regions where residents must stay in place. In Queensland, there was a push for a North Queensland border, and regional tourism towns told visitors, mainstay of their economies, to stay away, even those with a holiday home there. Anastasia Palaszczuk asked us to stay in our suburbs, and I prefer to shop local now. I'm getting to know the supermarket workers, the hair cutter, and shoppers. Somehow social distancing and a common enemy makes life outside your house more intimate, and for the first time since I moved from Cambridge to Narang to live with Mum, it began to feel like home. Since she died in February, I've been packing up her things and mine because my home will be sold and I'll move to New South Wales where my best friend wants me. But I'll always feel a Queenslander and I don't want her borders ever closed to me. That reads quite differently now, doesn't it, in 2021? And I think the theme that I'm going to be taking away from our chat today, Margot, is that the Federation right now in the history of Australia and Australian politics is taking a beating. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, yeah, we're in... um we're in a lot of trouble. And, and as I said earlier, I've decided to let my parochialism go and, and, and be more constructive. But I just think it was really important for everyone who wasn't in New South Wales to have their say. You got it wrong and you pretended you were the best and we were actually the best. And, but of course, you know, now, now, we should, now we should try and help, I guess. Of course we should. Before you go, give us a quick snapshot of Convoy now where you live in regional New South Wales, inland from Port Macquarie. What's the general so, feel about town? Well, it's a tiny town, 200. So we're under the restrictions that you've got to wear a mask in shops. You can't have more than five people to your house. We've experienced um, what, what many have. We had an incursion from Sydney. Someone from Sydney came up and for a surprise visit and... The cops were called and there's been a lot of rumours around town and it's caused a lot of ill feeling about the person who was being visited. And I think, you know, we've got to be very careful of 
of, of that stuff. But, um, you know, and, and the person who in, did the incursion wasn't breached, which upset many people in the town because, you know, Gladys has not protected the regions and she, she told us that she would strictly enforce and obviously that hasn't happened. So there's, you know, it, it, it creates it creates micro drama everywhere in a community and, and ours is no exception. Great to talk to you again, Margot. See you again soon. Thank you. Bye. Now, all of us are wanting better information about Delta, the COVID-19 variant, and just the epidemiology generally. And of course, Transit Zone Pod has five information-rich podcasts available. Check those out. The latest with Professor John Potter, the epidemiologist based in New Zealand, is called the Frequently Asked Questions edition. So check those out and listen to them all because I think you'll be able to deal with all the information a lot more easily. And if you'd like to email us at the Transit Zone, here is our email address, transitzonepod at gmail.com. As always, we welcome all your comments, your questions, your ideas, particularly after today's chat with Margot and me, and ideas for podcast episodes too. We welcome those, transitzonepod at gmail.com. Peter, before we go, cross your fingers, we may have a very special guest soon, if all goes well. So tantalised I am. I'm Peter Clark. Thanks for listening, and please join us again soon right here in the Transit Zone. You are now leaving the transit zone.